Radio 191 FM podcast. On the line now is Sarah Gallagher. Are you there, Sarah? Yes, I am. Hi. Wonderful. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Uh, so, Sarah, you and Ian Chapman wrote a book about the Scarfy Flats. Yeah, we did. It's just come out. Uh, how? So, it's it says that uh, you, you passed a lot of flats on your way to and from uni, and that piqued your interest? Well, I noticed them when I came to university way back in the 90s, and then um, because I lived in North Dunedin for such a long time... I sort of stopped seeing them. Mm. Um, and then when I was, I was working in the law library and um, doing a master's through Victoria in library and information studies, and had to do this project that was looking at ephemera. And the um, whole idea was to do a pitch for an exhibition, teach the public about what ephemera is. And um, I re-recognised all these signs. I thought, oh, this is an interesting example of an ephemeral print culture. I will do it on this. And so... Um, Went round with some friends in a black van taking photos on a Pentax Any Super film camera and um, took about 50 photos of named flats in the summer of 2000. And since then, on and off over the years, have continued taking photos and sort of got, you know, about 600 photos of flats and their signs that change, you know, all the time. Sometimes they stay in the same place, sometimes they move, sometimes the names change materials change and it kind of became my pet project yeah have you noticed uh i i hadn't really considered uh because i i a, I, I wasn't aware that you've been taking photos for that long so have you noticed a change in the in the names of flats did they used to be quite political or or anything like that is it well um there's certainly an element of that over time i think the most recent political one that um I can bring to mind at the moment is Trump Tower. Oh, which, yeah. Um, it was hilarious on um, lowest, Lower Union Street. Yeah. Um, really crappy building, really crappy sign. Looks, yeah, looks uh, looks like a Trump Tower. Yeah, yeah, looks like a, tr- a Trump Tower. You know, and that's a, that's a perfect example of um, students using irony, um, sort of... Um, you know, sort of saying that something is grand when it's not. Yeah. You see a lot of that around the place, a lot of jungles, a lot of palaces, a lot of manors. Um, you know, sometimes the names reflect the fact that the house is in a really, really crappy condition, and sometimes it's um, the name is the complete opposite, but you can tell just by looking at the house that it's in a really crappy condition. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's something that, given that I've found so many names, I've found over... Over 600 unique names, going back to the 1930s, um, I've collected this massive data set and um, being a librarian, sort of analysed it all. Yeah. And, you know, thematically, and identified that um, actually there's sort of, you know, four or five main themes that show up. So names can either be reflective of the environment, so that might be the state of the house or the land around it, so you see houses called the hedge or, you know, the shit heap or um, castle or crap shack, that sort of thing. Yeah. Or um, you see names which reflect popular culture. And I've sort of included, you know, politics in that as well. It might be a sign of, you know, something historical or social or it could be film or literature or music features strongly as well, which, of course, is an interest of Ian's. Yeah, certainly. Um, 
So, and that, that shows you what is important to people at the time, what's made an impact on them. Mm. Um, so, um, a really great one, you might remember the film um, Saving Private Ryan. I do remember that film. Yeah, well, there was a great flat named Scoring Ryan's Privates, huh. which I thought was hilarious. Yeah. Um, yeah, so you see things like that. And then the very famous and still existing in situ Pink Flat The Door. Yeah. Obviously inspired by um, Pink Flat, uh, uh, Pink Floyd The Wall. Mm. Um, that's a fairly um, well recognised, I, I, I hesitate to use the word icon, but it really is. Well, I remember that from my time, uh, sorry to speak over you, uh, right. at university, and I used to hear all sorts of stories about it that you had to pass, uh, that the landlord was uh, a Pink Floyd nut. And you had to be Pink Floyd fans in order to live there. Uh, oh. And you had to pass muster. You had to pass some form of, I don't know if it was like a, a trivia challenge or... Oh, uh, really? I'd never heard that one. Yeah. It, it wouldn't surprise me. Apparently there was a big poster, you know, a special poster on the wall. And um, it, was, it was protected in the lease. The door was protected in the lease. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Um... Yeah, so that's really interesting that some landlords are really quite attached yeah. to names. Because um, they're expensive things, with, houses. In North Dunedin, he, um, he said, you know, his flat gets signed in May. Wow. Yeah, so some of them are quite desirable. Um, and I think when the name stays around for a certain number of time and manages not to get nicked or fall apart, or um, then it sort of builds up a bit of a tradition and a bit of a legend and... Because students come and go so frequently, um, being part of that, I think, helps them identify with being in Dunedin. And the identity and sense of place is very much at the heart of sort of my my theory behind, you know, why students name their flats. Yeah, I was... Uh, creating a home. I was kind of wondering about that because uh, we tried to... I, I studied in Dunedin uh, and we tried to name... Uh, our flat um, mm-hmm. in in memory of a friend who passed, yeah. uh, and we we got a sign and we added uh, we added it to the flat. But uh, by the time and we did that sort of my last year of university, yeah. Uh, but by the time uh, we all came back, the sign the sign was gone, and it was just a flat on Leith Street. Oh right, what was the name on the flat? Uh, the Aloha Deck. We got a, um, a, 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 what are they called? They're on cars, uh, license plates. Uh, we got a license plate printed. Uh, oh, yeah. One of the flatmates uh, went to Australia and it was one of the, like the uh, carny things on the uh, on the waterfront. You could get a personalised plate made. Oh, how cool. Uh, so we got a, 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 a plate for it. Um, yeah. And also it was just because the flat was on Leith Street, it was sort of on everybody's way to or from a place. Yeah. Um, lots of pre-loading and after games sorts, yeah. of, sorts of deal. Uh, so, yeah, and we weren't sure... Well, I wasn't sure, uh, certainly as a student, if there was an etiquette into naming a flat or if there's a story behind them. Well, yes, I mean, this whole, you know, my, my project, the Dunedin Flat Names Project, and then this book, which is sort of an output of that, is um, sort of pulls together the fact that um, I don't know that anybody has ever really, well, nobody's looked at this before. Yeah. Um, 
and and I, it's not an organised thing, but it, it's just happened. It's like you know the zeitgeist of the time, but it's just been going on since the 1930s. Yeah, well, I it's weird, isn't it? Yeah, it's. Yeah. I mean, it it kind of makes sense because you. Uh, I guess there's sort of a, a shared bond, um, and also you take take the power from something if you give it. Uh, give it a name. Give it a name. Yeah. Well, sort of. You know, you a lot of students that eighty percent of the students that come to Dunedin and go to go to Otago come from outside of Dunedin. Yeah. And um, so everybody's arriving in these and generally living in this massive suburb of eight thousand people, and they're all aged seventeen to twenty-five. A lot of them have you know living away from home for the first time. And it's your first house, but you don't own it, so you want to have some ownership over it, so you give it a name. Yeah, actually, yeah. that's a good point. Did you name your first car, if you've had a car before? Uh, don't do cars. You don't do cars. Expensive yep. toys, unnecessary. I've got legs. <laughs> right. Yeah, I don't know, maybe some people are just into naming things. No, I, I get it. Uh, I, I know of cars with names. Yeah. Uh, a very good friend of mine has a car called uh, Pie Hole. There's, uh-huh. there's all yep. sorts of, like... I get it. Um, I have I name my typewriters. Yeah. Uh, my orange typewriter. It's a beautiful orange seventies brother that, mm-hmm. and she's called Rebecca because she's called Rebecca. Yeah. I've had a guitar named Beth. I like. I understand uh, uh, naming things. Yeah. Well, you you name things that you're attached to and you care about. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess you know that's just to go back to your flat name. The interesting thing about that is. Um, that the people that would have moved into the flat afterwards maybe didn't understand the story behind it and so didn't connect with it. Yeah, certainly. And I mean, yeah. it's um, I, I mean, the that name uh, would only have had relevance to uh, like the flat and our immediate circle of friends. Mm, um, yeah. So that's something that um, I experienced myself with my very first flat when I, I moved down here from Christchurch. And I didn't go into a hall, I went into a flat. Yeah. And um, we found this really, really, really crappy sign. It was just a bit of that real nasty wheat bixie board with mouth house spray painted on it. Like, yeah. They didn't even care enough to make a decent sign. And thought this is a silly name and how boring. Until my flatmates and I realised the place was infested with mice. And then suddenly it's the name made... Topical. And we had an experience with you know that made that sign relevant and then i drew mice on it so added to it yeah. and made it ours and we nailed it up on the front of the house and um and then quite proudly said we lived in mouse house yeah yeah fair yeah uh did you ever find out the story behind the names yes so having this because this project started off as an analog project pre-internet mm. Um, using analog tools. Um, initially, it was just collecting the ephemeral things before they disappeared, so there was a record of them. Yeah. But then, um, in, I think it was around 2007, when I started engaging with Flickr and Facebook and had one of the old Facebook groups, I put all my photos on there, and by that time I had a digital camera, which I was using like a maniac, and um, people started connecting with them. And back in those days, on public, people would actually say quite a lot of stuff. Mm. And I ended up with about 2,000 people in this group. And then I surveyed them, 
and got more information. And at this point, people were saying, oh, Sarah, this is quite a cool idea, you know, maybe you should write a book. And um, had an exhibition at Art Week, OUSA Art Week in 2009. And then there were some write-ups in the Otago magazine and various stuff. And all of those things um, sent more people to me with more stories. And, um, and that's when I realised, actually, this is, this is more than just, you know, pictures of signs. There's, there's some quite deep stuff going on in the background here. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so a lot of it's been um, involved, you know, having individual contact with people as well as doing some archival research as well. I've used um, the Hocken collections and the Presbyterian Archive and the Hewitson Library and Public Library and Heritage New Zealand's collections. And um, so, you know, it's been, it's been really good, but also working with this... Um, a very open research methodology. So having to research in the open because I can't get information without people engaging with the project. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that's how Ian and I met. Right. Yeah, because he had the same idea and um, and then we ended up working together, which has been really, really cool. Was there... Conf- I, I, I wonder uh, if there's any ever any conflicting stories as to why, like, oh, well, actually, we named it the Captain Cook because I'm firmly against colonisation, whereas flatmate B says that they named it the Captain Cook because he just really liked the pub. Right, yes. Um, Well, I guess the only one that I can think of is really Pink Flat. Yeah. Um, And uh, I'm not sure if you... Are you aware of the film, the documentary called Freedom Flat that was made. I am uh, not. I can't remember the name off the top of my head. Um, it was, um, so Wallace Chapman and Bianca Zander made the film yeah. with um, the guy whose name escapes me, but he's running My Little Local. Um, and that was very much um, Wallace's story about the experience of living in Pink Flat the Door which um, he he studied educational psychology and was really interested in um, Skinner and um, Summerhill, I think it was, the school that was set up there, and sort of, you know, uh, freedom of expression and all of this kind of stuff. And, um, you know, living with no rules and, this kind of, and that kind of thing. And, and yeah. a really interesting group of people that lived there and a lot of people that came and went and, um, you know, the house was always full and they had really um, some quite diverse people there in terms of um, their interests and their study and their values. But when I spoke with some of the other flatmates, the core flatmates that you know, were actually on the lease. Yeah. Um, they had um, their their thoughts behind the name were quite different. Yeah. And uh, and that that's what's covered in the book. So I really wanted to make sure that um, because Freedom Flat, which was great, and is um, is very much Wallace's Wallace's take on and experience. Yeah. And I wanted to make sure that well, that was certainly covered in the book. That the other guys. Um, that their story was covered as well. Yeah. Yeah, well, it sounds like uh, you've unearthed uh, a, a wealth of stories. Um, and how was it? How was the uh, collaboration with uh, Ian Chapman? How, how did that come about? 
Well, that came about when I got a I got an email from Ian saying, "Hey, um, I've got I'm writing a book about Scarfy Flats, and your name keeps coming up, and people keep saying, are you working with Sarah? And can we get together and have a chat? And that's how it came about. Oh wow, that easy. Uh, yeah. Great. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think because I've been, you know, boring my friends to death talking about this for so long, <laughs> loads of people know I've been working on it, and um, I've always, you know, I've got a um, Dunedin Flat Names website where I post photos whenever I take them and a Facebook page and all the social media stuff just to try and get it out to as many different groups as possible because it's it's the sort of thing that's of interest to lots of different audiences for lots of different reasons. Yeah, and I, I, I also yeah. suspect people who, uh, well, I mean, A, there's... Uh, all of the the university alumnus, and also I, I think it's just an interesting thing that people do. Mm, yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, back in the old old days, before um, you know there were street numbers, people named their houses, and you'll see in small pockets, you know, sort of holiday settlements in New Zealand, like Lake Alexandrina. There's a huge cache of batches or cribs there that um, have names. Yeah. Yeah. And um, and here in Dunedin, you know, people use it as a wayfinding tool. They don't talk about living at six one five six one five Castle Street. They talk about living at Beehive. Yeah. Or they're at Big Red, or you know, the Nunnery, or whatever. Yeah, two up from. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I hadn't considered that either. Mm. Uh, it's so definitely a thing, and I've. Um, reports that I've heard over time so back in the 60s people would talk about going to the shambles they wouldn't talk about you know the upstairs flat above what's now Scrubs bookshop yeah yeah I'm not going to Dave's house I'm going to the shambles yeah yeah fair enough Mm. Uh, so the book is out now Uh, it is available through Paper Plus Paper Plus Select and Take Note yes and UBS oh right well yeah that makes that makes a lot of sense yes UBS um, and Paper Plus also has an online store. My so does UBS has an online store. Um, and I believe that it may be available through Mighty Ape soon, which is great for people living overseas. Yeah, that is great. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Well, it was very nice to chat to you, Sarah. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you. You too. Not a problem. Uh, thanks, and uh, enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you. You too. This was a Radio 191 FM podcast. You can find more at r1.co.nz or wherever quality content is found.